Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Elliot Morgan is one of the members of the Valley Folk, a crowd-funded internet comedy troupe that won the inaugural season of NBC's Bring the Funny in the summer of 2019, winning $250,000 and an invitation to perform at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. That's a long way from Central Florida, where Morgan grew up and got married at a young age. Morgan grew up in comedy online, thanks to a gig as one of the original members of SourceFed, a Google-funded YouTube channel that had more than 1.6 million subscribers when it stopped making videos in 2017. Elliot talks to me about all of that, plus working on Hollywood Boulevard as a costume character, releasing an early stand-up special on Vimeo, working with historic YouTube accounts and what it means to be a YouTuber now, and joking through his failed marriage on his second stand-up special, Holy Shit, which he released in October 2019 via Comedy Dynamics. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! Morgan. Oh, hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me here on Last Things First. Sean, thank you for having me. This is so, wonderful. So, Last Things First, congratulations. Thank 2019, you. I mean, you have a new special out. It's called Holy Shit. Yes, Holy Sh- Beep. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that when you recorded and titled that special, you didn't know that in the same year you'd also be competing and winning a comedy contest on primetime network television that is very true nor did i expect the special to come out four days after winning the show uh which i think people saw and were like oh man this is like a guy who's like got it figured out yeah and it was all pure happenstance and it was great because it looks like oh my god this is yeah i got a whole blueprint but um yeah i was very pleased with how it all kind of happened so does this make you the most successful costumed character in Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard history. I don't know. I mean, costume character in terms of the Hollywood Boulevard stuff. Spoiler. Uh, I think uh, I have lots of questions gosh, about this. I'm curious. I know. I think I'm the only one who's publicly said that that I have done that, uh, and so that might be yeah on record according mm-hmm. to the government for sure. Um, but tax yeah. returns don't lie. Yeah, exactly. Well, they I do. Yeah, oh. on them. But uh, yeah, because that was the whole point when we did it. They, the whole sell of that doing that entire, which was insane. Um, when a friend was like, "Just come out," you know, you go out in Hollywood Boulevard and you, mm-hmm. and then you find out the reputation that those folks have of like, oh, they're all addicted to meth and they're all panhandling mm-hmm. and they're all doing all this stuff. And some of that was true, and you see some insane stuff. But um, they, we have those in Times Square in New York City, well. right? Yeah, yeah. You have all the same. Yeah, you have like the what naked guitar man isn't that like the big well one? he's but he's the og i think yeah yeah so he's there's, doing great but the last six to ten years there's been a lot of debate about the costume characters such as the the batmans the, the elmos all of the the ip i don't know that there are any big birds no. you were you were a former big bird i went for it i was like it was a great costume too it was it was eight feet tall and ridiculous how so, so how okay so i have questions Lay it on me. How Sean. did you get this job? This job. Well, there's no it's application process. Not, okay. No, you go out and you just do it, and then you hope you don't get stabbed. And uh, and I did it with a friend uh, the majority of the time, and um, 
and just sort of took it one day at a time and was like, well, this is, you know, and I was so, I was a baby. I mean, I was like, I don't know, 22, 23 or something. God, it was like 10 years ago. That was crazy. Oh my yeah. God. I'm just now realizing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's and like. And you were married. I was married and I was like, well, you got to make money and you got to do all this stuff. So you go out. So and, how did you, know, you tell your then wife, ex- how did you tell your ex-wife, how did you tell her that sure. you were going to do this? Yeah, to I think, support the family. I wish I had a really good story. I think I, I mentally blocked all of it out because mm-hmm. my brain was like, "Nah." You well, can't. Okay, what were you doing bef- for money before that? Well, even during that, what was the job that you said, "No, I can't right. do this. There's got to be something better." Here's what I was doing. So I was doing both in Florida. I was doing Goofy at Disney World, okay. and then also working as a veterinary That's big technician. Time. But Goofy which, at Disney World is big time. That, I mean, he's the head honcho. You know, he run, He pulls the strings. No one knows. He's no Pluto. Uh, Mickey's doing... Pluto's doing okay. Uh, he's a sweet... He's a sweet mm-hmm. boy. Um, but then, yeah, for this, it was like the same idea, and you made more money, but you took more beatings. But then also at the same time, I still worked in a veterinary hospital in like a very professional environment okay. with like high stakes and like, you know, there's like animals coming in and... There's uh, what, are the, what are called HBCs, which are hit by cars, and mm-hmm. you get all, like, the traumatic stuff that oh, comes yeah. in. And then the next day I would go out and I would do this insane stuff. So in a weird way, it was, like, a nice balance uh-huh. because um, I went from doing, like, something that I think is pretty respectable to something that's not respectable at all. So it's nice to, <laughs> it's nice to stay humble <laughs> and okay. poor. Okay, so for the record, you also were a costume character Officially at Disney World? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't sneak in and okay, try so to pull had, one over on. So this had an application <laughs> process. Yeah, that did. And that was beautiful and a, a crazy audition process. And I would imagine that that's geared toward people who want to be in show business. It is, Even yeah. though it's a costume character. Yeah. A, I mean, you meet all the most similar types of characters or characters, the most similar types of people I've met uh, in Hollywood who have mm-hmm. that kind of like, this is their whole world and all they care about is like, I'm going to be successful. Those, wherever those people are in Florida, tend to gravitate, I think, toward Disney World right. and just sort of having that, like, they take it very seriously. Um, but it was also a very cool job to have because, you know, you're like, I mean, I was fresh out of high school and doing college at the same time, and I was like, this makes sense. And then you get to, you know, kids get happy about it, and it's mm-hmm. kind of magical. And Did yeah. you ever consider cruise ship work since that also? Yeah. Yeah, back in the day I did. Have you ever done that before? No. Well, the closest I've come is when I lived in Seattle, I got a job at the Space Needle as an elevator operator. Nice. And they were they had been just regular tour guides and uh-huh. then they decided, "No, we want improv Smart. sketch people because we want to yep, uh, entertain them. Rationalize why we're charging so much for people yeah, to yeah. just go up. Give them a song and a dance. Yeah. Uh, how was that? Did you feel It was a blast. Yeah, I feel like all that stuff it's I very... mean, there was a uniform, but it, yeah, it just looked like I was in a marching band. It, right? Was it like not um, covered my face or anything like that? Did you wear like the circular hat that has like it's like a bell? No hat, but the rest of it really with brass buttons. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah that's but, and your but face you is showing. But you, yeah, your face is showing, and you're essentially performing to yeah groups of strangers and foreigners, and it keeps you sharp. It keeps you going. It keeps you also. It's 
uh, in my experience with the whether it was the Hollywood Boulevard stuff or the goofy stuff, it also sucked just enough to like push me to be like, I gotta figure something. I gotta do something else. So. Uh, did you go straight from that to SourceFed? Correct. Yes, you've done your research, Sean. <laughs> this is when, we, when I first arrived. You were like, uh, I said I had to pee, and you were like peekapoo. And then, yeah, as we were talking, I was like, I don't, I barely. Remember. Oh, right. Yeah, you've done it. You you remember better than I do. Um, yeah, I went from doing that to. I went from both doing being a veterinary technician mm-hmm. and then doing this other crazy thing to directly to doing uh, SourceFed, which became a thing. And that was like for two, two and a half years. And it feels like so much longer because right. they say you get stuck mentally in your time of greatest success. Have you heard this before? Psychologically? Like mm. you end up like whatever your time is where you were in your, it's why a lot of people I think obsess over their high school football days because they like the oh, quarterbacks. Where you peaked. Yeah, where you peaked basically. Well, I've, so, heard the, I've heard the reverse is true too. I've heard that, um, that with uh, alcoholics and drug addicts, they say that, you're emotionally stunted whenever you started picking up. Ooh, interesting. So you're emotionally whatever age you were when you started drinking and doing drugs. Well, hell, it's all the same for me. So I can't, can't prove on a personal <laughs> level either one. Your peak uh, and your bottom is at the same age. Exactly, yeah. I'm peaking. Now it's time to start drinking too much. Got to make sure we stay Well, I guess that is out. kind of part of your story. You, you yeah. came out of like a conservative, ultra-religious family. Yeah. And then did the whole got thing. married early and then realized, oh... This isn't me. Sidestepped out of it, yeah, and uh, and and not not elegantly at all. But uh, but, yeah. but going to the source fed years. Mm-hmm. So do you do you feel that you're still in that? No, no, God, no, oh. thank God. But the only YouTubers, after so much YouTube class of 2012. No, yeah, I mean I'm in it for sure. There's mm-hmm. reunions that we go to. Um, <laughs> That's and, VidCon. Yeah, it's VidCon, and uh, I'm dating someone who is also she. We go to the same reunion, so to speak. Right. Um, and she does her thing, and yeah, we we you get to know people during that time, and you form these like it's like high school. Yeah, you form these weird lifelong bonds, and. Uh, and then you all sort of go on your own path. But I think, no, I don't feel that way. I feel pretty good okay. currently. But it's also like, that's a lot of money in therapy. You but know? what was that like for you going from working in a vet office and being Big Bird on Hollywood Boulevard to suddenly being on a YouTube channel that started by one of the early yeah. stars of YouTube, Phil yes. DeFranco. who has maintained also his presence and has been able to... Which is stunning in itself that... Yeah, dude, it's you're amazing. Not, that you don't burn out on it or you don't age out of it or you... Right, yeah. What he's, you're still doing it. What he's been able to do in terms of pivoting and staying, like, relevant and staying topical is so impressive, and it took a while to sort of learn that from him. And, like, oh, this guy, like, he kind of knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've taken a lot of tips from him that he doesn't know, and I... I I don't think I've ever told him because I'm like, I, we talk and it's like, hey, good to see you. It's that same high school reunion thing. We're like, oh, right. yeah, hey. Um, but, yeah, going from the the Big Bird stuff and the veterinary technician stuff directly into the source-fed stuff, I mean, no one knew what it was going to be. We all thought it was going to last six months. We were all getting paid, I think, like 700 bucks a week or something. So it was, like, enough to justify doing it right. and on the gamble that it has a big return not later. Change. Not chump change, no. And But also, you know, there's a, supporting a wife and doing all this, and then you're trying to, like, make it. And then it blows up, and I, I just remember thinking, you know, I think I was in my 20s, and I remember being like, I feel like the feeling then was like, 
well, this is just how it happens. Like, you, this is my break, and now I'm going to get this and this and this, and I'm going to grow and grow and grow. And um, and then it was later that I think it was like two years into SourceFed, I was doing this thing with um, it was for Soul Pancake. Do you know what that is? Yeah, they yeah. just put out a documentary. Oh, really? Laughing Matters. It's about um, comedians and mental health. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm a big supporter of everything. It's Rain Wilson's yeah. company. Yeah. Um, and so I did a short with them, and it was directed by a guy named Ben Shelton. And I remember we were driving around, and it was one of the few chances I got to act because I moved to L.A. to do acting, and I com- felt comedy and Internet stuff happened. But um, we were driving around, and he was talking about, like, his mentors and how they were like, this people think this. It's like my grandpa, who was some kind of big whatever, was like, you know, you uh, – you kids think that you're going to ascend and ascend and ascend and you're going to get to the top of this hill and then that's it. And then he's like, what you don't realize is that it's up and down and up and down and up and down. And for some reason, that stuck with me, thank God, uh, <laughs> and because that's exactly what happened where it's just been up and down and up and down and up and down. And so now it's like I'm glad I have the up and down like momentum because I'm ready for right. it, I think, a little bit. Well, you bit. wouldn't have been mistaken in those years to think it was all up because that was also the period... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Sourcehead was one of the beneficiaries of this two- or three-year window where Google slash YouTube was actively funding yes. content creators. Yes. Instead of, I don't know what... I don't know what their current position is on content creators. I know. Now. It's very I don't strange. Know. Do, you, do you know? I have no idea. I wish I did. I mean, it's I, I've reached out to so many of them in the wake of SourceFed and being like, you know, this you guys did this Google thing. Mm-hmm. What if you gave us a chance to do this? And they're just like, yeah, we're not really... Any, any word I've gotten is that they're just doing like really big names like celeb you know it's like chris rock or nothing else and then everyone else is like well what about us but at the same time i understand because i think a lot of the creators last i heard the youtube creators make up like four percent of youtube's overall revenue that comes in everything else is like cat videos and whatever else and i think in our minds as creators we think that we are the ones making this thing which in a sense that's true because the creators are the ones that turned it into, I think, a medium more than anything else. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all, like, money and business, and I can understand YouTube banking on the people that can make bank money. Um, but I don't know if that makes me a bad YouTuber to say. Does it feel ironic that that uh, that after being kind of a source for anyone to do anything on a video platform... If you go there now and you look at the most popular things, they're music videos. Yeah, or Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah doing or like music videos from from groups in India and Korea. Right. Yeah, because YouTube has gone global, and so if you have a billion people in India, they're gonna watch. Yeah, Bollywood clips and yeah, and those numbers show up, and yeah. they're real people watching real stuff, and good for they're them. Just as real as. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's someone in LA making a sketch video. I should do yeah. I should do some kind of deep dive at some point and figure out like what's actually going on i think it's just sort of like in my mind i'm like it's best not to see you know what, what what's popular because i'm like oh that's gonna make me sad but then i see people well pewdiepie Pita, is still a thing so pewdiepie is doing great and uh in good form what 100 million subscribers something like that despite uh, all the things he does yeah he just keeps he keeps keeps on keeping on mm-hmm. but um there's somebody the, the paul brothers are still a thing thank god i mean they're staples they're Do they have to resort to fighting other youtube personalities yes 
which is in resort to fighting at all. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Um, but yeah, whatever. Okay. I mean. So where were you, so what where were you in your career when the so called adpocalypse happened? When that when the bottom fell out on, on yeah. YouTube supporting. Creators. I feel like Adpocalypse happened around the same time that um, a lot of the platforms were the the sort of uh, what are they what were they called? Um, Ott. There was some acronym for them, but it was like a full screen Go mm-hmm. ninety. Oh, right. All those people were sort of pumping large amounts of cash into creators, and so that was kind of the wave that I survived on at post-SourceFed, where it was like, okay, so there's still people injecting money into this content, and I sort of freelanced and made it work. Um, but yeah, I feel like it was around that time that all the bottom fell out from all those things, and then the Adpocalypse thing happened. But I think, in order for the Adpocalypse thing to matter, you had to have been making money on ads in the first place, and I had the luxury of not having <laughs> to worry about any of that. Nor, I mean, even at the Valley Folk, we're like, we don't, our ad money is like, okay, like there's nothing. It maybe, maybe covers part of our rent every month, which is still not unsubstantial, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, now it's like you, we're just like, okay, we go directly to the audience and we try to make it work that way. So tell me, since you brought it up, tell me about how Valley Folk came about. Valley Folk came about um, by necessity. I mean, I was very uh, poor and was had gone through the divorce and I had the full screen pilot that I thought I was going to get picked up, not happen. And then other jobs, just I could see they just weren't, everything was dwindling. What would that full screen show have been? Um, the pilot's online. It's called Bad Influencers, and it's basically a show about being a YouTuber and mm-hmm. struggling and trying to figure it all out. And it's very meta and office It's a mockumentary. Okay. And um, it was good for a pilot, but not like, you know, I could see why <laughs> like, somebody wouldn't pick it up. Uh, <laughs> but I was, like, hoping, you know, that we would flesh it out as it went. Um, and so, yeah, when that was happening, I was like, okay, we need to figure something out. And then I always kind of felt like when I left SourceFed that... It wasn't the end. Um, and then I started talking with Joe, and Joe and I started Joe Beretta, and Joe Beretta and I started going up oh, Barats and Beretta, and then Smosh and all that. And he right. was another OG. OG. Oh, oh my God. YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Godfather of yeah. all that. Oh, YouTube sketch comedy, I would say for sure. If you go, there's a there's a video on YouTube that tracks who's the most popular most popular YouTube mm-hmm. video slash channel through time, and there's a long period where it's yeah. Oh yeah, no, much. he was top. 10 for a while yeah. before it became you know what it is now um, and so we started meeting we met with like investors and a bunch of business people and um, then we started talking to Steve and eventually like okay let's talk to Lee and then let's see if we can get everyone back on board and then do a Patreon video and the idea was like we'll do this video and then if the Patreon is anything substantial we will use that to deduct from the amount of investment that we're trying to get from people and there were people on board to give us investments mm-hmm. and then when the Patreon uh, video and then the Patreon itself blew up. We were like, "Oh, okay, oh, we got we're okay, I guess." And so <laughs> we uh, we got some business people involved, and we were like, "How do we make it so that we have livable salaries and then health insurance uh, and that and then every and then enough for an office space?" And that's kind of where it's been. Where it's like, "Okay, let's just keep keep keeping on," which is why bringing the funny is real cool because it was like, "Oh, we get like a little influx of cash." And uh, hopefully hire a producer and go from there. Well, you already have a gig lined up next summer, right? With we do. Just for laughs. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was uh, I was talking to 
people and I was uh, some my comedy agent person I was like should we do this I was like is it still like a thing and he was like you'd be an idiot not to do just for laughs and I was like I felt that way yes of course <laughs> yes of course you're smart and I'm smart too and I now agree with you so uh, is it too early to, uh, to know like what the future is for Valley Folk now I mean it is very ex- I mean I just I was before we started recording as I was telling you I was wearing a bald cap about two hours ago and doing a very stupid sketch but um, yeah it is it is very amorphous right now because we're going through a bunch of shifts that are happening that are, we're having to adjust to and then like talk about and so um, yeah we're, we're kind of like in it feels like a, a little bit of a purgatory i think but mm-hmm. like a good purgatory like it's very like all right but um yeah we're we have now a relationship with some people at universal and nbc and we are in the sort of system and we're right. developing relationships in a way and like, we're pitching things basically right so. i mean they're coming out with their it's own all st- that crap they're, they're coming know? out with their own peacock streaming platform yeah yeah that, so. that is exactly where yeah the, the our stuff is will probably be funneled toward um, <laughs> which would be amazing because we just want i mean especially after doing bring the funny it was like oh we if people are there to like build us sets or stupid costumes or provide any kind of uh production value it's a dream come true especially as people what, who are all on youtube so. yeah so what was that that process like because for the stand-ups they're just doing stand-up but mm-hmm. when you're doing the show this yeah during the summer it's it's insane. It was uh, it was basically like when they started it, they were like, "Say whatever you want." They were like, mm-hmm. "Just get you know, give us some kind of uh, you can ask for anything." Mm-hmm. And we were like, "If you say that, we're really going to ask for anything." And so we have one sketch that's like dead birds falling from the ceiling, but the first thing we asked for was a giant beak to fall from the the rafters mm-hmm. and directly on stage and stick into the ground. And then for the robot doctor one, where um. Joe's dressed up as the robot. The original mm-hmm. plan, there, we were like, we were idiots. And we were like, can you, can you just build us an actual robot that has this type of programming in it? And they were like, no, we, we, we're we not robotic engineers. We're, cost, we're setting costume people. And we're like, okay. Uh, but they, then what would happen is we would just be rehearsing. And we would, you know, have our phones and still be learning the lines. And then they'd be like, all right, come look at the costumes. And I remember seeing the robot costume, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever cried over. Because I was, like, getting tears in my eyes. I was like, this is so stupid. And it's so uh, dark. And I can't believe we're doing this on TV. And it still looked like a cool 1960s robot. And so, yeah, we were just in love with the idea of having help, basically. Right, because how does that compare with say the video you were filming earlier today yeah where i did a bald cap and tried to put it on myself and it didn't work at all and looks terrible and i had to put a hoodie on to like hide how terrible it was so um it's all budget and production wise is a little bit different it's a little different yeah (laughs) and just like the size of the stage you know i mean it's it's all that stuff that i feel like you're not supposed to geek out over because you're supposed to be like I'm a YouTuber. I do it on my own, and, and all that's true. Mm-hmm. But there's just something to like being on a lot and being in that space where you're like, oh, this like that it it triggers that thing in my brain that I had as a kid of like, what if you know Hollywood? Yeah, Hollywood. Exactly. Hollywood. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And in the meantime, you're still pursuing stand up. Still doing stand up. Yeah. After you the had, special, I, I took a very long break, and I'm just now kind of getting back okay. into it. So you had done a special before this, though, right? I did. I did a special from a company called Super Gravity that got released on like Vimeo on demand, and then full screen before full screen went down. And uh, that was called Premature. Um, was it premature? It was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was one of those things where it was just like 
they came to me and they're like, do you want to do an hour long comedy special? And I was like, I'm not ready to do this. And, uh, and they were like, do you want to do it anyway? And I was like, well, yeah. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And it definitely was not great. I would say, but it looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, where did you shoot that? It was at El Cid. You know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, Los Feliz. A very cool venue. Very like, both of the specials look very beautiful. And then, uh, then when it was done, it was like, okay, it was premature and was too early to do. And it was right at the time my divorce was happening as it was coming out. Oh, wow. And so that made it very bittersweet and strange. When did you tape the second one? The second one, holy shit, was filmed in front of a live studio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stroke. Um, it was probably 2018. Okay. Fall of 2018, yeah. So it took a full year to get it out. Which is another reason when it was happening, I was like, "Really?" I was like, and then when I rewatch it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was a different, that was a different person talking." <laughs> like it's only a year ago, but it's talking about stuff from a year prior, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, this is like a, walking myself down memory lane is not always an enjoyable viewing process." So I was very weird about promoting it because I was like, "I don't know how to, you know, be like this is a sad. These are sad things." Um, but everyone's well. Been how very much of that was your choice to? That it's an hour. That's a year delay. Um, not much. I mean, we sort of filmed it. Sharon Everett is the director, mm-hmm. and she was the producer, and she sort of guided the material and made sure that it was like okay. And she had also a very good perspective as a human being of just like she understood where I was coming from, and I could go to her and be like, "Is this like? Is this? Do I sound like right. too much like an asshole here? Like I'm okay if it's a little bit, but if it's uh-huh. too much." And um, she was good about keeping it keeping it solid and then uh and then we just produced the whole thing and then it was like i just sort of was like okay i was like i have no i'm like let's go with god see what happens and then comedy dynamics stepped in and it was a matter i was like really i was like they they're legit i was like that's amazing Mm -hmm. and um another example of me being like oh yeah no they they would never and then when it actually came out i was like oh okay great and then meeting with them they were incredibly supportive of everything so yeah it's been a very cool journey with it now you made there's two choices that are interesting to me about the special that are not even about the content it's just about the production of it one is the location doing it at the kibitz room of Cantor's deli yeah an iconic la institution yeah uh they do shows in the side it's like a a nightclub but they do more comedy than music these days right or is it still i think it's still mostly music yeah because when i at least at the time of filming it because they were like yeah we haven't done comedy in here in a while okay um and then yeah sharon knew someone who knew someone i think and that's kind of what let it happen um and it was kind of there was a couple different venues we looked at and I kind of liked how gritty it looked, and it actually did look like a dive bar. Like, I feel like a lot of the specials kind of do the, like, this isn't a bar, but you can tell it's, like, even Premature has this, like, vibe to it where it's, like, glossier than it actually is. But, um, yeah, Kibbutz Room is just, like, a down and dirty dive bar. But it's also not that big of a room, either. Tiny. I mean, and then when we were filming... It's not like the comedy clubs that you play on the road normally. Oh, no, yeah. It was, it's, yeah. And usually comedians usually even scale up more. Yeah. Yeah. When nope. they do a special, they're like, "I'm gonna do it at a theater." Yep. Oh yeah, this is gonna be my big thing. Yeah. Whereas you do it in a in an iconic dive bar, and also, yeah. I mean, and also mostly in one shot. Yes. Yeah. The comedy itself, I think, is all one shot. There might be a cheat somewhere, but I don't. I truly don't know if there is. I know there's um, one, there's one cheat at the end for, for audience reaction. 
Yeah, and then there's cheat. The intro is shot, you know, separate, mm-hmm. and there's it goes on black curtain. You can tell, but yeah, the bulk of it is all in one shot. And then it was it was one shot on the first try, which I didn't know because I thought we were. I was like, it's basically in my mind the whole time. It's my rehearsal run where I was like, oh, there'll be another one. You know, that one will be better. And then they were done. They're like, no, it was really good. We're taking it. We're done. We're good. The guy's tired. I was like, oh, the guy carrying the 50-pound weight's tired? Okay, that's fair. That's a good... <laughs> yes, he should go home. The guy who's carrying all that equipment and wandering around the audience yeah, for different... Yeah, and keeping it pointed at my stupid face for that long? Yeah, the guy deserves a break. Uh, but I was still... In my head, I was like, oh, well, maybe I should do... So there's that lingering sense of, like, I, I can do it better. But there's mm. always that crap. So what can so, you do? And then, you know, releasing it the way that you, you have... The comedy dynamics model, which is just kind of flood the zone, yeah, and not just on one platform, but make it available anywhere on demand, yeah, to rent or buy. Coming from the background that you have, does that make you less stressed about what the reaction is, how many eyeballs are looking at it, or are you even more? Yeah, great clicking, question. Uh, clicking on the numbers. Yeah. Like, okay, do I need to pump out? Do I need to remind people on Instagram today? Do I need to... Right, yeah. Do I, I need to make a special YouTube video just to remind people that the special's out? I do need to do a YouTube video, and I have not done one. But um, I do need to do that. It really makes it way less stressful because it basically is a way of being like, the people who are going to opt in probably have some semblance of an idea of who I am. And if they don't, they're not going to care to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's a lot easier to like something if you have a sense of familiarity. But um, this, you know, in terms of charging people or being like, yeah, this costs four bucks or something, that I don't care about. That I'm very like, yeah, of course, that's totally fine. <laughs> I, if I was earning a bunch of money off of this, I would, might be like, yeah, no, here's another free version. But mm-hmm. I'm, I don't foresee any paychecks. So it's... it's which is great because it allows me just to be like, yeah, if you would like to do it, go for it, pay for it. I've mm-hmm. had friends that'd be like, do you have a free version? I'm like, no, I don't have a free version. I don't have a, I definitely don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I can Venmo you to, to rent it if that helps. Um, Not even for Patreon bonus subscribers? Exactly. Yeah, I sh- it should be. Um, <laughs> and I should ask now that you bring it up. Um, you can set another level. Yeah. But then, they, but then it's tricky because it, they're still paying for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a catch twenty two. But um, no, I mean it was a, a good it was a good deal because it looks the way they the model of like blasting it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. It just or in, on so many different platforms, the only hang up has been people in Canada or elsewhere being like, "Where do I find it?" And then I'm like, "I I don't know." I mean, there's got one of these links has to work, right. and they send me. They've there, been great. You have but, Amazon there, yeah, you? something, right? I'm like Voodoo. I don't know. It's on YouTube for <laughs> rent. I mean, um, you can find it, but uh, yeah. So it's it's been a good experience. Yeah, because it's it's relieved the stress. I'm glad if, if it was blasted onto something like Netflix or something like that. Um, it would be a different story because I think there needs to be some kind of background. Like I am, co- the goal with the whole special was to come at it from the angle that people already kind of knew a certain amount about mm-hmm. me, um, and I feel like that's what differentiates it the most from doing premature, where it felt like I was trying to be the stand-up and trying to be something that, like, if you watched it as a standalone or had no idea who I was, you would still, un- you know, it would still feel like a stand-up special. Yeah. But um, yeah, this this method has made it a lot easier. So if you were 
if you were starting out today, if you were starting out in late 2019 as a, as a comedian, how would you, and nobody knew who you were, how would you go about it now? Same age? Uh, or in my 20s, You're in your maybe. 20s. You're yeah. in your 20s, but in 20s. Yeah, it's a difference. Like, I would get a different job. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, 2019, I feel like... Uh, I would shampoo more dogs. I feel... Yeah, I'd shampoo more. Just, if I had shampooed more dogs, I'd be in a different place. Um, I think I would do the same... I feel like it, there's a weird... You see people in a, who I think do sort of fear-based or... Uh, they have an idea that's very strict in their heads mm-hmm. about how their path is going to go. And I feel like most of, if you accept on some level that most of it's going to be failure uh, and you're going to fail constantly, then it would be the, kind of the same thing of just do everything. So it's like when people, I remember talking to people at, when Premature came along and they were like, I would never do that. I'm just not ready. And, and I, I respect that. And it's like, you want to be the best you can be. But I also know that I'm the best I am when I'm putting myself under more pressure than I am necessarily able to meet the requirements of, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just you, you extend yourself further than what your comfort zone is. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. It's very generic. I feel like I just yeah, fortune well, cookied you. <laughs> well, I ask because it feels like the, the, the secret of success in, in show business keeps changing as the technology changes yeah so people if people try to do the same thing that the original youtube people did yeah though they won't find the same i remember degree doing, of success because everything has changed now yeah i remember doing a bunch of uh panels you can't do what philip defranco did now and expect right. to break out yeah, nor can you do what Philip DeFranco is doing now and expect to... Yeah, it's like you can't... Or what he did then. And, right, so, yeah. what, that, so, that, so that's, I guess, what was my question. Like, if you were just starting out now, what would be your... What, what would, would be, be your my, strategy? Would it be TikTok? Would it be... It probably would be TikTok, yeah. That is, weirdly enough, the... I mean, that's how Little Nas X yeah, I don't, did I don't, it, right? I don't, I don't have any TikTok presence, but um, you go where the audience is. You, uh, you do... I think you pay attention to what the trends are. You make sure you're staying true to your voice. You make sure you're getting better all the time and not putting yourself in a bubble where you think you're better than you are. And uh, and then you talk to as many people as possible. I w- I used to reach out to so many people to like seek advice and like sit down with them and then read all these books. And there's always something you can be doing. And uh, I think the generic advice is oftentimes the best the most helpful Mm -hmm. i sat down one time i think it uh i don't know what year it was but it was with joel McHale because i was obsessed with the soup when i was getting out here and it's all i wanted to do and still if they i they asked i would be like (laughs) yeah oh my god yes please but um yeah he was like it never ends he's like it it used to be 90 percent hustle and 10 percent work and he's like now it's 90 percent work but it's still 10 percent hustle and you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and um I talk a big game with that because I don't, I'm not like this, like, you know, I don't read all of the r slash get motivated mm-hmm. memes that I should. But, um, yeah, there's something to it where it's just like it feeds you. There's like momentum. I don't know. Do you feel that's, that's the same with like the, the other, the other, uh, VidCon alums that you, that you associate yourself with? Some, like, yeah. I mean, ma- many, not so much. And many, I think are like, we're talking like getting, uh, they get kind of stuck in that 
zone of, you know, what it used to be and what it was. And I don't know that I have, I think I have a broken nostalgia bone where I don't really look back very much at all. And I think that a lot of those folks, because they experienced this intoxicating amount of money and fame as a result of this weird YouTube thing, I think for good reason, it, it, it's a bigger part of their life. But I still kind of feel like I'm proving, I need to prove constantly um, and get to a place where I'm like, okay, I did it. This is me. Uh, and so they, uh, many of them don't necessarily have that. And then others you see that just did it brilliantly. And that like you, um, Rhett and Link and um, a bunch of the Smosh people, Rhett and Link, I think, were the, are the tried and true for me personally, where it's just like looking at them as like they, they were so intelligent about it. And there are other people that they are other people that mm-hmm. were very kind when the Valley Folk was happening about giving advice and seeing the way that they just like they treated it as a business and then they trade, they stayed who they were and it worked out. And then now when we go to their studio, it's like this is the dream. It's like the most beautiful place. It's the, it's theirs. It's outside of the Hollywood um, you know, zeitgeist, but mm-hmm. they're still getting all this other stuff, all this other success and still making cool stuff. And I remember watching their YouTube Red series, uh, Buddy System, and it's so good. And I was like, this is so, this is... YouTube Red, doing. for those of you listening, was a thing a few years ago. Yes, years. it <laughs> in was. 2016. And now I've aged myself. <laughs> I, no, I, but it's but it's just it's funny how that's yeah. kind of how things change. Is that yeah? And it's not you think even this is the thing, and then it's not the thing. Yeah, and to the point right that, now, everybody's everybody I know either <laughs> is working on or knows someone who's working on a, a show for Quibi, which is mm-hmm. a thing that hasn't even come out yet. Yes. Yeah, I'm up for a but, thing on Quibi right now, but, and I'm like, ah, uh, what a dream! But who I knows? can't wait, and but I mean knows, genuinely. Yeah. But who knows? Two years from this podcast. If Quibi's even still a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or if Quibi is the only thing. Who knows? It might, yeah. I mean, it's just sort of work and see what happens and, yeah. The only thing I know is that uh, there's still spots available on Hollywood Boulevard for be performers. Out. Yeah, I got to get out of here by, by about 5 o'clock. By 6, I got to get, get over there. <laughs> I'm dressing up as... No, I don't <laughs> As no, I'm not even going to try to come up. You don't have to. You don't have to live like that anymore, Elliot. Morgan. I mean, it's yes, it's a different life, different world. Well, thank you for including me in that world. Well, thank you, Sean. Thank you for having. Was this it? This yeah, is so this fast. Is My God, thank cool. you. <laughs> no, thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.